Hey, hey, welcome to Creative Block. We're your hosts, Gene. And V. We interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we do Dual Jam. We asked people on Twitter if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Ian Jones Cordy. Hey! Hey, how's it going? How's it going, Ian? How's it going? Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, you are a voice actor, board artist, director, showrunner, writer. The list goes on. That's true. I am and all those things. You are all of those things and more. Tell us, for those who don't know, who you are and what you do. Hey, I, uh, yeah, I'm all those things. You probably know me from uh, one of the animated shows that I worked on. I was the co-executive producer of Steven Universe. I was the creator of OKKO Let's Be Heroes, supervisor on Adventure Time with Finn and Jake, animation director on the venture brothers uh Mm -hmm. i also made my own cartoons comics etc etc but yeah i'm just uh animator cartoon guy that's a good way to summarize that (laughs) (laughs) animator cartoon guy i've been a fan of yours for a while we spoke a little bit on twitter yes and yeah i was following rpg world way back in the day as it was hey. as you were releasing those and we were probably not that far apart in age but i i thought you were like you know guy in his like mid 20s but you're probably <laughs> a teenager yeah i was a teenager yeah. when i was doing that yeah that was like my uh that was like my high school web comic oh right right that yeah. i was working on yeah how much time were you spending on your web comic when you were in high school oh just like uh committed myself to update the web comic 3 times a week yeah, uh, that's amazing. when i was in like 10th grade and um i used to <laughs> i used to just like draw the comic like in class like instead of taking oh yeah yeah <laughs> nice i would just i would do my pencils during the school day and then i would come home and ink and then you know like put it in photoshop and color it and mm-hmm. stuff and just like put it up uh like that night that's crazy for like the next for like the next morning that back when like... back when we had the time to do that yeah and, yeah uh, web comics are a nightmare to keep up with they're fun though i feel like it's like a great way to like flex a writing muscle definitely yeah yeah i definitely um i'm like uh i will be basically forever dipping into that well for like my entire life like I started doing comics when I was, like, really young, uh, like, just for myself. I think, like, the first comics I made, I was, like, four or five, like, like preschool, kindergarten. And I was using those characters over and over. And even my webcomic characters were all just iterations on uh, characters I made when I was, like, in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And all the characters I make now, like, in, in TV shows and stuff are iterations on those same like archetypes like i'll just be using them forever that's interesting yeah i kind of feel the same way i i know i always have this guilt about that i'm like man i'm just reusing the same stuff but i feel like if it keeps coming back to us there must be a reason right like i, I don't think i have no, i have absolutely no guilt about that that's whatsoever. great <laughs> i don't know why i do 
Like, uh, I mean, like, think about, like, Osamu Tezuka. Sure. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, he, that was, like, his entire thing. He was like, I'm going to create a finite amount of characters. Every single new story I make, I'm going to cast the story with characters that I already have. That's why, like, you know, you just see, like, the same characters and archetypes pop up over and over and over throughout uh his stories you know yeah something that gave me comfort was realizing that toriyama has like four character designs that he just cycles through and somehow it still all works and so yeah you know what if they can do it yeah i feel like uh i don't know i feel like people need to be like more shameless about absolutely um, yeah you know the like stuff that we do that like makes working easier i feel Mm -hmm. like People maybe um, overvalue like ideas like a little too much. Mm. You know, like we should like like we should just like we should just like accept like you know ideas are not that big a deal. (laughs) Like we can all come up with shit. Like you know, just use what you have like whenever you want. Like who cares? (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Well, uh, RPG World is huge to me because it's like among a, a few other web comics it was like one of the earliest that are it, you know it just planted the seed in my head of like oh like that's something you can just do and i think that was really important to me and i'm sure to a lot of other people and it, clearly you've had this sort of ethos for a long time of just like just do the thing that you that you uh want to do and oh, yeah. uh and that meant a lot to me and that that's you know back when i was probably like what like 12 or something i started doing a web comic because i saw you doing it and uh, I turned. I submitted some some fan art. I sent That's in. That's right. I sent in a fan comic. You made a you you did a guest comic. <laughs> I did for a me. guest comic, and you published it, and I was very I, excited. Uh, yeah, I like. I actually found uh, the email. It's I so, think where you it's sent it so to me. So old, Ian. It's like <laughs> it's so embarrassing because it's. I am like probably literally like eleven or twelve when I I sent that in. Yeah, but you don't. I mean, I I live for that. You sure. know, like that to me, like that age, like eleven or twelve. Yeah, that was like for me, like like one of like my favorite, like maybe my like the most productive I've ever been mm-hmm. as like an artist is like that moment when you're like, you know, eleven or twelve, and you realize like, ah, oh, if I just like focus, I can draw whatever I want. Yeah. And you just, like, draw anything, you know? And, like, there's, like, that amazing discovery every time, like, you get done with a drawing. Like, you know, some of that goes away, like, the older you get and the more experience you get. Uh, because you don't, you're not as, like, surprised that you can do it. But, like, that moment is, like, that's huge. Was there um, something specific that made you want to dive into RPG World and just start making a webcomic? Oh, I... You know, actually, the thing is, I didn't really know anything about web comics. Mm-hmm. I'm outing myself because I'm because I'm, I'm it's gonna sound like the freaking Stone Age. Uh, this was like <laughs> it was like 1999. I had never heard of web comics. I'd been making comics for myself for like ages. Like I don't know. I used to. Um, fold over like eight eight and a half by 11 paper and oh yeah comic books Mm -hmm. and i still have like a stack of those that i had been making for like years and i had been making comics like and just showing my friends them for like so long in comics in the school paper just anywhere where i could make comics and cartoons i would do it you know Mm -hmm. and then um 
I think I got like a scanner maybe for like a birthday present or something. And I just started scanning uh, my comics. And this was like 98, 99. My friends and I were just really, you know, we were nerds. So we wanted to make uh, web pages. And I made like my first like online web pages. Like my first, my first really big one was this like cartoon review site called TuneOut. It's, it's gone from the internet, thank God. Mm. <laughs> but, like, you know, this wasn't, like, live journal or anything like that. Like, those things weren't really, like, existing. This, this was just, like, a Angel Fire, you know, page of my own where I was, like, reviewing cartoons and putting up my drawings and comics and stuff. Like, I didn't even know webcomics existed. But um, I got this idea uh, for a comic... You know, I was really into anime and, and manga and, you know, I just wanted to draw my own comic about RPGs because, you know, I really loved video games. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know web comics were out there. I just started putting it up and I remember um, a couple people like even found it and were like, oh, hey, you know, there's like other web comics out there. Like, are you interested in like being friends with us? Like one of them was actually uh, another webcomic artist who was just like hey you should uh like you know you should uh put your webcomic on uh on like on like a webcomic uh hosting system yeah and like you know uh get on irc and like talk Mm -hmm, to us mm -hmm. and like you know be friends and be friends with other comic people and i didn't even know uh about webcomics when i was starting it Mm-hmm. So that's uh, so interesting. Were you like uh, interested in like reaching out to the community or like since you were doing these comics by yourself for this, like for all this time, like I guess, like how exciting was it for you to realize there's like this whole community out there? It was cool. I had never really found other people who uh, did that. And that was like some of the first I made like a lot of I made like a lot of friends doing that. You were you were part of like that Keen Spot scene, right? Yeah, I um, Keen Space, Keen Spot. Yeah, I I my comic was on Keen Space originally, and then I got promoted to Keen Spot. You know, I was like fourteen or fifteen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so like I don't know, it was like a big deal at a time. Sure, you know, I was like putting ads on my uh, comic. I was and, like, like, yeah, getting was... check, getting like checks in the mail, what? and this is like. That's crazy. Keep in mind, this is like before like YouTube uh, mo- monetization or any of that stuff. This is like you know, this is like Web 2.0. This is like so so much earlier. Yeah, yeah. For those that don't know, it's like it was like a portal for web comics. Keen Space was sort of an open submission. Yeah. And I was actually I that Hyperboy, the comic that I used to do, was on Keen Space. That that became Comic Genesis, I think. Yes, it did. But yeah, but Keen Spot was the like Club Thirty Three of of that. <laughs> it was like if your comic's <laughs> doing really well, you're going up to the big boys. And I was always exactly. such a dream. I was like, I could be where RPG World. <laughs> and there were some there were some others too i remember um that were in that but yeah like that i can i can at my age then i was definitely a big deal so i i, I totally believe it do you feel like uh like being on this website and being able to make like a little bit of a revenue from your web comics that was something that you were just you thought that you could make uh, a career out of art 
so I was lucky in that um, I grew up with uh, an artist in in my family. Mm. My grandmother mm-hmm. was an artist. Uh, she's like a painter. She made um, wood collages. Oh, cool. She her name was Theodosia Ocon. She's mm-hmm. uh, she actually created the Ghanaian flag. Wow. And she was like an artist and like kind of like a matriarch of the family who was just like, you know, like encouraged me to do art. And I don't think any of the family saw art as like a weird thing That's great. Uh, to do. And I was always, uh, I, w- I got a lot of like encouragement that I think maybe, you know, I know that a lot of kids don't get. Mm-hmm. so yeah i i never really i never really had to dream of art being a job i could get paid for because i knew there were artists out there mm-hmm. oh that's you awesome I mean? that's great yeah that, that helps so, a lot yeah. did you take art classes in like middle school or like high school or were you just like doing it so much on your free time that, uh, that was- um I, yeah, I totally did. And I think I was also, like, the kind of person who, um, you know, uh, my parents were always trying to, like, get me into, like, art stuff. Oh, sure, yeah. Because, like, you know, they knew I needed, like, an outlet uh, for that because I would, you know, my teachers would always be, like, he doesn't actually, like, write down uh, <laughs> any of the things in class. He just draws, you know? And, like, they were just, like, we need to, like, get this kid into, like, some art education. I took, like, I took like uh, comics classes and stuff. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I had done, I had done, like, a couple things. I was, like, lucky enough to get to do that. That's so cool. Like that, that like specifically you had like a comics class. Cause where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in uh, Maryland. I grew up in a, in a couple different places. My family moved around a lot when I was a kid, mm. but we sort of ended up on in, in the East coast of the U S in Maryland, in, uh, in Maryland. And I had a lot of family in uh, New York, in Manhattan not like you know three and a half hours away so i was kind of back and forth from from there like growing up Mm. do you think that the um the all the moving around was that kind of uh i guess helpful to you blossoming as an artist like was that sort of uh, a way of coping with like the moving around uh i don't think so because i was doing that before i ever like moved anywhere i was like i was like super intensely obsessed with uh drawing and cartoons and stuff mm-hmm. so yeah i don't know if it came i don't know if it ever if that ever really did it i feel like for me drawing was just always like my like escape you know it was like the place where like i had space to do like whatever i wanted my parents are immigrants and i'm first generation so mm-hmm. You know, they didn't grow up with a lot of the same pop culture that, like, Americans did. And they, I don't know if they ever really understood, like, a lot of, like, the stuff I was drawing. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I tried to show them the comics that I drew, and they never really understood them. (laughs) But they were just like, this is, sure, this is great, you know? (laughs) So, like, you know, drawing in comics was, like, a basically, like, uh, it was, like, a... A dimension that like was all my own 
you know, mm. that like I didn't have to answer uh, to anybody, you know? Yeah, because it's like basically you can do whatever you want. Like what you were saying is like, yeah, you have like all the power to do anything with the story and the characters, which is like, yeah, yeah really thrilling. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That is so cool. And so, so you've been drawing comics like all the time throughout school until I guess like college. So where did you go to college? Uh, yeah, I went to uh, School of Visual Arts in New York City. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned you know I had family in New York, and you know I had been I had been visiting New York in the summers like since I was a kid and. I always just felt like, you know, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to live here in the city. Mm-hmm. And School of Visual Arts was one of the only, you know, my parents, <laughs> I think I like, <laughs> it, during high school, I kind of like pretended, oh, maybe I want to do like something else, like be a doctor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think, I think maybe just to kind of like get them off my back right. while I was yeah. like, you know not doing well in school or something but like when push came to shove they were just like we understand you're gonna go to art school uh they were like um i i felt i'm really privileged in that they were able to get loans for me to do that yeah and um then we uh yeah and school of visual arts was like one of the only art schools out there that didn't have like a foundation year like I didn't want a foundation year. Like, foundation? Foundation of what? Like, I know what I want to do. I want to make cartoons. Like, just let me at them, you know? I want to yeah. be at the place that is, like, that lets you, you know, start making cartoons, like, on your first day there. And, like, School of Visual Arts was that place uh, for me. Right. That's awesome. Like, I feel like um, from the couple other guests that we got on the show who went to SBA, the curriculum of... How would you describe the curriculum of SVH? Do you feel like it was like you were given more freedom in terms of like building your own cartoons and kind of like putting your portfolio together? Or do you feel like you were kind of guided by the um, teachers? Yeah, I can't speak for how it is now. But um, when I went there, the animation discipline was part of the film department. I think it's now either its own thing or part of computer art i'm i'm probably getting this wrong sorry uh (laughs) (laughs) sorry to all the fighting flowers out there i i I don't know we're not the fighting flowers i was gonna say that's an an interesting mascot (laughs) but anyway like uh it's it was part of film and i think the school was like really the school was really about like indie filmmaking Mm -hmm. that was like a big part of it and animation it was definitely like you were going there at least the teachers i had uh were encouraging us to be like independent filmmakers and like the people who we looked up to were like you know pat smith bill plinton like you Mm -hmm. know new york area uh independent filmmakers you know people even like um i don't know um like john dilworth and Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. who were like independent filmmakers uh who you know eventually you know had some like successes on uh you know in like mainstream 
uh, realm, like people like that, like Mo Willems and stuff like that. So that felt like the viable path back then. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think that was just the path that the school was kind of like preparing us for. Well, yeah, that's what that's what they thought the viable path was, I guess. Yeah, I think like, you know, the school was mostly preparing us to like be able to like make our own films. It wasn't sure. preparing us to have like a, a specific job in the industry. Mm-hmm. We were like expected to be like, you know, filmmakers and put together like the whole, you know, piece, you know, from beginning to end. So, yeah, so that was that experience, kind of. And, like, when I got to uh, college, actually, it was, like, I remember, like, a week after college started, uh, Disney announced that they were shutting down 2D animation in Florida, I think. They were shutting the Florida studio. Mm -hmm. I think they had already shut the France studio at that time. Yeah, mm mm-hmm. And I remember being like, oh, God, like, what's going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, we were all, you know, I think we got there. A lot of us got there being like, oh, we're going to do, um, you know, like Disney animated 2D movies. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I feel like that was kind of like the, like, at the time, if you were getting into animation, it was because, you know, you had told people throughout your life, like, I'm going to be one of those Disney animators, yep. you know what I mean? That was, like, the thing people understood. Right, mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, uh, I think we all kind of, like, discovered we really just love TV animation. Right. Mm-hmm. At that time. So I just got so much more into that. Sure. What was your first gig out of college? Well, let's see. Out of college. The thing is, I was working during college. Mm, oh, what okay. so. were you doing during college? Like, my uh, first summer, I did some animation in a live-action short that had, a, a, like, animated sequences. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea where this thing is now. It's called Bob's Ark. But it was, like, it was some indie movie mm-hmm. who uh, one of my teachers was like, Hey, I, I, I had a job that I couldn't do. You think you could do it? And then I took that, and then, like, the year after that, I I had gone home from su- for summer, my first year of school, and then my second year, I was like, I'm not going home. Uh, so, like, <laughs> in the lead-up to summer, I basically just, like, they used to be, like, a, a database of animation studios in different cities on, like, awn.com or something like that. <laughs> and I just sat down, and I just cold-called damn every single new york studio nice left tons of messages talked to tons of people you know like said hey this is who i am sent like a link to my stuff like you know do you have any positions and like i found job at a um at a commercial uh studio uh called dma animation i don't even i don't think they're there anymore and it was like it was completely under the table uh (laughs) and they just like pay me to sort of like help out and the thing that was cool about them is that they animated everything traditionally on paper Mm. and uh they kind of brought me in to sort of be an assistant i worked on like commercials like random like i worked on a uh i got to design a bunch of stuff for a slot machine oh yeah yeah like a bunch of the animation for that like, you know, they had, like, a bunch of, like, you know, random... They would get clients, and they would have these jobs, and 
uh, the, the head of the studio, Tony Kayo, even made, like, a short film. Uh, and I just, like, I uh, storyboarded, like, most of the thing. You know, I just was doing, like, small jobs at, like, this small, like, commercial studio. And that was, like, the, that's where I got started. And then from there, I got a, um, I got a internship at uh, what was then called Noodle Soup. Uh, oh, yeah. which was the um animation studio that does venture brothers mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. um, nice. yeah. i was doing internship there and i think like uh i did like two semesters there my first semester i kind of just i didn't take advantage of it i think i just kind of saw it almost as like another class like i would go and then just like sort of do whatever they told me to do you know and then they asked if i wanted to stay for another internship round and i was like yes and like that time i like really like went out of my way to like learn a lot about the process and like Mm. you know talk to people and like you know and then from there i got the job of doing um i did some like freelance cleanup for venture brothers season two Mm. and i was doing that like during school so that was like my junior and senior year i was doing um damn you know they would give me like they would give me like printouts of a bunch of character designs and I would just like sit there and just like, you know, I would just like do the cleanup. Like I would do it by hand, like on paper and scan it and send it back to them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those were like my first jobs. And then out of school, they had a pilot that they were starting for MTV. And I just uh, jumped on that pilot. And that was like some of the first, like puppeted flash animation i had ever done Mm, right would you say that you learned animation during sva or were you already kind of like like kind of like toying with animation like before so with animation i had always wanted to do it like even as a kid in fact all the comics i drew were just because i didn't know how to make animation like on my own (laughs) like if i could have made them all like animated films like i would have like but like i don't know this was like the stone age i didn't have flash yeah (laughs) so basically what happened is like this was like i want to say third or fourth grade you know i did the thing that like all kids do which like realize that like oh if i flip a page i can make a stickman run you know and then like i eventually just like amassed (laughs) I used to make flip books with, um, you know, with post-it notes. Those, that was oh, yeah, like yeah, my, yeah. um, yeah. that was my, um, like favorite medium. I actually have like two or three shoe boxes full of these. Holy really? Shit. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I used to just like, this was like around fourth grade when I discovered this. And I used to just like go to the, like, you know, office depot, buy like a huge, like 12 pack of post-it notes and just like make you know animated flip books you know for fun and uh that's where i started like fourth grade and i was doing those flip books by myself uh all the way through like middle school and i would eventually like i would um take sequences from the comics that i was drawing and like make them as like short films on in like the flip books you know what i mean wow yeah. <laughs> and like that's where I really learned to animate and like wow. actually that was the same time that like I was like voracious with um TV animation like mm-hmm. I used to just like tape like Bugs and Daffy and like 
you know, Acme Hour and Tom and Jerry and, like, the Tex Avery show. And I would just go back to the tapes and just, like, freeze frame. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, stuff. I, that was, like, so much of my childhood. Sitting there freeze framing things. Like, if there wasn't a cartoon on TV, like, at that moment, I would, like, pull out a tape, go through it, like, try to figure out, like, how to draw things. I was yeah. also, like, that kid who, like... Would go to the library, you know, because there was no internet. I didn't have internet in the house at the time. And Mm -hmm. just go to the library and anything that was, like, comic, cartoon, animation, filmmaking related, like, check out those books, you know, and just, like, read them all, like, cover to cover. Yeah, that is so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was just trying to incorporate the stuff that i learned in those books and from freeze framing into like these flip books and um i think around high school i did get flash but it was like very early this is like you know it was still like macromedia yeah Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. i did like a few like internet cartoons man i i wish i could even find them they were like you know the kind of thing where like you click on a button and it makes a character do something. I think right. I remember you posting those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like I like had those and like but I never really um I got so caught up in comics that I never really like sat down and like made my own short films, like full short films until college. Right. Like that's when I really started like working in Flash and like making my own animated things. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, I mean there was Knock Force, right? Yeah, Knock Force. Uh, so that was my like thing I made with uh, my then roommate Jim Gisriel. Mm-hmm. That was after college, oh, actually. Okay. That was when like by th- like by that time I had done that pilot for um, with uh, World Leader, well Noodle Soup, which had then become World Leaders, right? And I knew a little more about making stuff in Flash. And yeah, I made that those with my roommate then, and I had I just yeah I just kind of like figured it out by myself sorta. Wow, wow, that's crazy. Because I feel like uh, I don't know the first time I ever opened Flash <laughs> when I was like I don't know I was probably like fourteen or something. I was like this is too complicated. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 intimidating at first for sure. Yeah, yeah. I ended up I ended up like managing to kind of like understand the software, but yeah, I don't know. It, it definitely I don't know. It, it doesn't, like, come as easy as just, like, drawing on a flip book, right? <laughs> I did, like, I remember I did the actual, like, tutorials that were in the thing. Really? Oh, cool. Yeah. So I could learn it. And then I was just like, oh, but it's still too complicated. And yeah. I never, like, really got my head around it. And, like, at school, you know, SVA, to me, that was, like, my chance to do 2D animation on paper. Like, that was what I wanted to do. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I liked, I knew Flash and I liked it and I thought it was cool. And students in my year actually did, like, thesis films in Flash. Not everybody, but, like, a few people did. So, like, the technology was there. Like, people could do it. But um, to me, being in school, having that space in school, like, I really wanted to, that was my chance to, like, do stuff on paper. Right. So I was more into that. It was when I was doing that pilot at World Leaders. It was like a, a show for MTV that just like never came out. I think it just didn't work. But 
I got to work with a bunch of Flash animators, including, like, for instance, there's, like, Chris Burns, Bob Fox, people who, like, they now have a studio. They worked with, like, Augen Blick. There's now right. a studio started by uh, some of these guys, uh, Exit 73 Studios. They've done, like, a ton of, like, amazing work. They, some of them were doing, um, you know, like, freelance animation on this pilot. And what I would do is just, like, I would stay after work, go on the server, and, like, crack open their projects. Like, make <laughs> copies of them. <laughs> and, like, look at the projects and try to figure out how they did it. And that's basically how I learned how to animate in Flash. That's yeah. super cool. It's like, you, yeah, you always kind of were looking at how... Like, I guess this is something that you've always done all your, all your life, because you're, like, kind of, like, stopping these VHS, kind of, like, looking at freezing frame, at how, like, people were, like, kind of drawing animation on all those, like, cartoons, and now yeah. like, going into the projects. That is, like, really cool. I think some of it came from... My dad is, a, is an engineer, and oh. I think ah. he, like... One of the things that he always um, encouraged me to do is sort of, like, figure out how something works, like, take something apart. and It's a scientific analysis of things. Yeah, so, like... Interesting. Yeah, so that really that really helped me. Yeah. Kofi had a kind of a similar... We were talking about Kofi earlier, and... Uh, oh, yeah. He had a similar approach, too. It's interesting. The, the very like studious, very like analyze breaking breaking down art into its science, which I find really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, life life is study. Life yeah. is study. <laughs> like like Kentaro from Golden Boy. Uh huh. <laughs> Got to study, study, study. I have a huge uh, cell that I bought from Golden Boy that hangs like over uh, my living room slash office, and I'm looking at it. <laughs> Yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a, a golden boy cell actually yeah. hang, hanging, hanging in my closet right now. I hang all my cells inside the closet so that they don't uh, get light. Oh, <laughs> interesting! It's like a secret <laughs> museum. Yeah, yeah secret, it really is. <laughs> it really is. I only open it after the sun goes down. I'm like very uh, protective. <laughs> it's like it's like temperature controlled. You gotta like hit a little keypad. Yeah. There's like a little bit of like steam, like um, not steam, but like you know, like cold. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. The, the oxygen hisses out. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That would be so nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> temperature controlled cell room. That's that's when you know you've made it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we've ever talked about Golden Boy on this show. That's I love Golden Boy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think I think Flash is weird because it's such a it, it's such a mess of a software and you really got to like yeah, it it helps to study how other people do it because there's so many like weird little shortcuts and techniques and it's it's not oh, as yeah. straightforward as, as everyone wishes it was. And like the the time I was learning it, that was actually the time that so Adobe had bought it. Yeah. And I remember they were like very out there being like, we do not intend this to be used for animation. That's so funny. I remember that. Yeah. It's how wrong yeah. were they? <laughs> it was so it was so insane. And um yeah, so much of what we were doing were, were all like weird workarounds mm -hmm. that people had found. You know, in like I remember like there was a frame limit that you couldn't go past and like I forgot about that. Oh yeah. really? I forgot There was a frame limit. That's... Yeah. Holy and then shit. like yeah, I and I remember like 
people were uh, really experimenting with it. Like I remember there were like extensions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the plugins. Like, to, yeah, to like get your uh, tweens to turn into twos mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I remember like Eric Pringle was like doing a lot of like cool like flash. I remember like he's an animator who um, I think he worked on Foster's Home mm, and yeah. you know mm-hmm. Teen Titans Go and a bunch of other things. And, like, he was, like, uh, working on, like, those Spumco shorts, I think, too, like, around that time. That was, like, mm-hmm. and what, like, I remember, like, uh, reading some of the stuff he was saying about, like, oh, you you animate something on a timeline, then you put that in a symbol, then you put that inside yeah. another timeline, like, all that crazy stuff. The, the <laughs> like, timelines, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, that was... Like learning all that stuff was like was like very needed, but like you know, and when I did Knockforce, Knockforce was like much more limited, but like having all of that knowledge really really helped me. Yeah, uh, it was always impressive to see. Like there would be like the occasional Flash cartoon that like blew everyone away, where they just like figured it oh, out, yeah. like uh, like the Bitey of Brackenwood, or like the oh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of Korean animation was just like what the fuck like they, oh yeah like there she is there she is yeah, yeah she, it's just like how did they figure it out like, what, is, what is the magic sauce here yeah but it's and just yeah course, it's shortcuts like, of course like home star and stuff like that. Oh, of course yeah. yeah yeah it's like you find these little uh shortcuts and like workarounds and and that's what you got to do uh, what is everyone using these days harmony i guess i feel like okay here's the thing too i feel like at the time there was absolutely no software to do animation like i feel like flash even though it wasn't conceived to do animation it was like the only software that was like remotely animation friendly yeah yeah you know <laughs> like now there's like so many things right there's like rough animate there's like even you can even animate yeah. in in storyboard pro if you wanna yeah, yeah. Yeah, like right. What's and there's a uh, what Clip Studio. Yeah, right. TV even, Paint, even Photoshop. Paint. You can even animate yeah. Photoshop if you want. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. I mean, Blender. People now are getting into Blender with like the grease pencil. Like, were they kids? And I also feel like you know, there's that thing that um, like you were talking about uh, doing animation on paper at SVA, Ian. But I also remember like there wasn't a whole lot of Cintiqs at the time, like. For, no, no. I feel like I only started using a Cintiq like three years into my career. Like for three years, it was just like the tablet. So which which yeah. works, which actually does work, but it's it's just not as efficient. As I like tablets. When I was yeah. at animation school, yeah, we had like um, we had like one. I don't even think it was called Cintiq at the time, but we had like one screen that you could draw on. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, that was like Ever, the, the communal Cintiq. It was like in one room, uh, even like our computer, our uh, Digicomp lab didn't even have those. That just wasn't a thing yet. Cause I think that's why on the, in the episode with KK, he was like doing so much on Flipnote was because it was pretty much like, kind of like the one piece of technology that was just around that was like easy access for animation so I yeah, think that you kind gotta, of, yeah you got to use what you have yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> i mean i guess that's the thing too it's like if you're really passionate about something you're gonna find a way no matter whether or not you oh, have yeah. like the resources like like i guess the, the professional resources available like i don't know i had like a friend of mine who would actually animate on paper but like went through this like really tedious process of like 
drawing on paper and then with like a camcorder he would just like press like record but just for like a split second and then he could put on the <laughs> and then wow. at the end it was like a whole yeah it was clunky but uh like i guess that's kind of like the thing is like the drive is there right if you really love the craft you oh yeah find your i, I was it. yeah i was constantly trying to figure out how to make cartoons with things yeah like do stop motion or use powerpoint to sort of make like some really like primitive stick figure like fights and stuff like that kofi did that too that's so funny yeah yeah, yeah. i was i was the, i was the same way absolutely <laughs> well, yeah the stick so... the stick fights is like a rite of passage for, <laughs> for every animator it's like oh, oh i yeah. don't i can just make things punch each other yeah <laughs> It's the best. So yeah, so you worked on Venture Brothers for a while. I was I remember following your blog when when you were working on that and you, and you were posting all that stuff, and it was really cool. When did you uh, move to LA? Oh, I um. So yeah, the thing about Venture was, you know, Venture Brothers was basically just written by uh, two people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Doc Hammer, and uh, you know Jackson Public. They mm-hmm. would basically write the entire thing uh themselves and so they were kind of big hiatuses between seasons and on those hiatuses i would do like um you know i pick up like commercial jobs here and there mm-hmm. it was around one of those times when actually my my partner rebecca got a test from adventure time mm-hmm. and was gonna head out to la to join adventure time and i was uh I think I was working on season four of Venture Brothers mm-hmm. and I really wanted to stay and finish out the season, but you know, I was on the hiatus and I got tests for adventure time and regular show. Mm. Uh, and I was also doing like some freelance animation direction for, um, for a cartoon arc pilot that never came out. Mm. So like I did like those tests my i think my regular show one i think i can't remember they it got uh it got rejected but like i had turned in that and an adventure time one and my adventure time one i think like i never was quite able to do like the writing uh for the show Mm. but they really liked my drawings of the characters Mm. and like they understood that I had like a like ability to like storyboard and draw cool stuff and they liked my drawings of Finn and Jake. Mm-hmm. So they had me come out to do revisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was like that was like revisions is like my favorite job. Oh, yeah. really? Time. I love I loved revisions because like you sit down and you're just drawing from yeah. like That's true. morning till night and it's like and uh because you're just drawing you're not writing Mm -hmm. so like your head is free to do other things that is so So, true yeah (laughs) like i like when i'm on like if i'm doing a job like boarding or writing my head is so full it's so hard yeah uh at the end of the day that i can't do anything else yeah uh but when i was doing revisions like i could just go draw i was all warmed up from drawing all day and then i would like you know i would have like i was doing like I was doing comics at the time also mm-hmm. and I would just like, you know, pencil like another, uh, another like page or panel 
I would like come up with, you know, ideas for stuff. Like it was just like, it was great. I had like a really great time. I, yeah, I really, revisions. I really feel that. I feel like when I'm storyboarding, like that first week of crunch where it's like, or like, I don't know, depending on the show where you're like actually roughing the boards, it's like, I can't listen to anything. I no, need silence. Weird. But like when you're like doing cleanup, it's the best. It's like, yay, I can actually watch a show or like listen to podcasts. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like skiing down a hill. Yeah, you're yeah, just gone. yeah. You're just like going. And like I think the thing is with revisions, it's like it's all the skiing part. Like mm-hmm. you yeah. know, it was just like you know, there was like some minor like put some thought into how to figure out how to draw this, you know? And so you do that. But mostly, like, they told you what to draw, so you knew how to do it. But, you know, that didn't last forever because they, um... Because you were too talented! <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I ended up, I ended up, you know, I ended up adding, like, a lot to the show. And I actually got to board, like, a lot of sequences on the show, even though I didn't get to write the show. But, like, mm. there were a lot of sort of, like... You know, there were a lot of, like, really fun, like, visually inventive sequences that I just had a lot of fun, like, you know, Finn taking off his hat for the first time, or, like, oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. cool, like, uh, green mushroom clouds with, like, faces crawling around, like, there's a lot of stuff I got to, like, invent, mm-hmm. and I ended up doing boards for another Cartoon Network show at the time called Secret Mountain Fort Awesome, mm-hmm. and, um... But then I, you know, I did that for a bit and my boards from that show uh, got the attention of some higher ups and they wanted me to pitch my own show. Uh, But like right at that moment, Adventure Time was like, oh, we need you to be a supervisor. So I went back and then I ended up being a supervisor on the show. Like I was the board supervisor for quite some time as I was working on like my own pitch and stuff. And how was uh, supervising on Adventure Time like? um, What was kind of like, can you describe the job a little bit? Yeah, I was kind of like, I was like, I would help break down the boards. And then I would uh, sort of like work with the revisionists to like do notes and stuff. I would give the revisionists their marching orders. But then I would, I would also sort of work with the, I would work with the storyboarders too and sort of like figure out where the pieces of the boards where they were going to need help on stuff you know we'd sort of like strategize pieces of the board you know so we would know what like stuff needed to be cleaned up what needed to be worked on etc etc and like again this was like all on paper also (laughs) these were like these were like physical documents that were like around like uh these things could get like lost and stuff oh no because they were like real things, you know. Wow, yeah, that's so interesting. Wow. And so when you were um also when you were doing revisions, you were doing revisions on paper. Oh yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, and like we were scaling up and and shrinking stuff like on like a copier. We oh, weren't like cool. we weren't like doing it on paper <laughs> and like you know, at some point like, you know, you just redraw it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I wonder if any shows do that now. I feel like that must have been one of the last ones. I don't know why they would, but. (laughs) Yeah. Well, some people are purists. I don't know. But. Uh, Regular show. Yeah. Adventure Time and regular show. We're doing that quite a Mm -hmm, bit. Yeah. mm -hmm. 
I think, uh, what's the show with the detective? The little boy with the Case cat. Closed? Oh, wait, no, that's not it. What am I no, talking no, about? No, no, I Cartoon Network. But, oh, um... um... I heard they were doing revisions on paper. I forgot. Maybe. Yeah, I know I know some boards... Tig and Seek? Oh, Tig and Seek, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's preference, I guess. I know that, like, you know, um, different shows will do pitches sometimes. They'll, like, print out the pitches and pin them up. Mm -hmm. Sure. I get the... F uh, that's a different Yeah. Vibe. On Adventure Time, it was just, like... It was, like, the real drawings were just pinned up. Yeah. And then pitched, yeah. Do you find that that... Have you done both? Have you done, like, the sort of digital pitches and those as well? Yeah. Yeah, I've done both. Which do you kind of prefer? Uh, <laughs> I prefer doing things digitally. Like, okay. let's, like, let's be honest. There's yeah. like some, there's like some, there's like, it's like really fun to work on paper. And like, you know, I do miss, you know, a lot of the, like the tactile feeling of it. But at the end of the day, you save a lot of time doing it digitally. Absolutely. You do complicate things a little more. I will, I do find that sometimes working digitally, it makes me, it makes me go into detail that I probably wouldn't on yeah. paper. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's too and it's easy. Like, yeah. It's too easy to like really do things. And like I do miss like the just sort of like quick like pass of just like slapping things down and being like, I don't care if it's perfect. I just need a drawing here. There we go. Go, go, go. Next drawing, you know. Whereas uh digitally you can really just like stop and be like I really want to get this hand right. Yeah, you know? start, yeah, start yeah, doing yeah. the control Z line over and over again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, I got to draw a perfect circle for each one of these, you Definitely. know? I feel like it's also like the thing, I don't know, for me, sometimes I notice like, like I want to pose out things too much. It's really easy to want to pose out oh, things yeah. way too much. Whereas like, that's why I forced myself to do thumbnails on paper. Like, even though they're like, I'm I'm probably the only person on the planet who can read my own thumbnails, but like at least it's like all right, it's like out of my brain. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, digital is just like yeah, it's so easy to get like bogged down. But um, how so? How was uh, actually supervising and developing at the same time? Like how? Yeah, like, that's a lot. How are you? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> how just, I did. You just blacked out for like <laughs> seriously. A year. I like look back and I'm like, I don't know where I got all this energy. Like I remember there was a point where I was like, I was finishing my board for the Lake Plaza Turbo pilot. I was doing notes on the Steven pilot. I was boarding. I was finishing my final boards for Secret Mountain Fort Awesome, and I was supervising on adventure time and i was making a zine oh my god ian <laughs> and uh ian. i was moving uh from an apartment uh to another uh house jesus so like i was doing it all at once and like so i don't know somehow i got it done i really yeah. don't even remember it's... i really don't even remember how i got it done i feel like sometimes i don't know i don't know for you but like this is something that's maybe really bad for me to say but i feel like sometimes when i have a lot of deadlines it's just like there's like this rush of like adrenaline of like i have to do it and like yeah. <laughs> unless somebody else tells me to do all these things you know unless they're like outside deadlines there's no way i would do that on my own i don't know if that like yeah i don't <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I honestly, I honestly can't remember how I got it all done, and uh, I don't know if I would suggest it 
uh, yeah. to other people <laughs> to do that to yourself. Yeah, you but, just like uh, you probably place priorities, you know, and it's kind of yeah. Manage your time. I think, I think like one of the things I did learn from school though was by the end of school I learned how to like work like smart instead right. of hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. That's important. When I was doing like my thesis film, I decided like. I'm not going to burn the candle at both ends. I'm just going to do like a certain amount of work every day. Like I'm going to put in my hours like every day Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to stay late and I'm not going to like get up early. I'm just going to like be consistent with Mm -hmm. like the time that I put in. Mm -hmm. And uh, that really, really helped me because, you know, then I then I could figure out like what I could do during that time. I was doing all that stuff. David C. Smith, who's a animation director, he was at Cartoon Network at that time, and he wanted me to board. Um, they were doing um, a Powerpuff Girls special that ended up called like the Dance Pants, yeah, mm-hmm. special. And he was like, "Could you board and direct this?" And like, I was like, Jesus. <laughs> looking at all the stuff on my, uh, <laughs> like, all the stuff on my pile, <laughs> and I think like I just at the time I was like. Oh, I figured out what was possible for me to get done by putting in those hours every day. Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, oh, I can't do that. Like, oh, that would, that's great, that though. Would, it's like... That would push it over. And I actually had to turn it down, which yeah. which gutted me because I really, really wanted to do it. Like, sure. You know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you got to know your limits. That was my chance to do, like, a Powerpuff Girls thing, you know? And, yeah. But I was just like, I was just like, I can't. I just can't. But you did the professional thing, though. It means, like, you know, like, I think that is, that commands more respect in terms of, like, you know your limits and you know that, like, people trust you because then, like, if you say yes to your thing, they know that you can do it. Yeah, I think it's, um, I I try so hard to be honest with people. Sure. You know, like, you get requests for things and sometimes you just have to be like, no, I know I can't do it, like... If I was gonna do it, you wouldn't be happy because I don't have time. <laughs> yeah, that's great. You're aware of your limits, and that's that's important. Yeah. I think it's just time management, you know? I don't know. I, I also think the more you have on your plate, the more you, like, the unimportant stuff kind of falls away, and you prioritize things, and, like, I, yeah, everything's everything's doable. And clearly, as long as you know your limits, that's really what it comes down to. Because it's yeah. like that's when it gets dangerous. Is when is when you've already deprioritized things, and then the only thing that can go is like your health. <laughs> it's like your mm-hmm. sleep. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's not good. So, uh, which what do you like? Which coast? This is gonna I'm gonna cause some beef. Uh, which coast do you like living on more? If I could work on the west coast and live on the east coast, my life would be perfect interesting uh you know i working in working in new york Mm -hmm. was pretty much impossible Mm -hmm. right the industry there uh slowed down you always had to be on um you always had to be like chasing down the next job like i you know i really um it was it was difficult it was Mm -hmm. difficult working there right and uh you know, it's it was much easier uh, once I moved out, I think, because there's like a whole industry and there's like a union and, yeah. uh, you know, the, the stuff we didn't have in New York. But I really miss living there. Is your, is your family still out there? 
Uh, uh yeah, my my uh my parents still live on the East Coast. They still live in Maryland. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I do miss I do miss like some things about the East Coast. I love the weather out here though. Oh, yeah. And I'm uh, I'm a lot less stressed out than I used to be. Yeah. <laughs> New York, uh, I was like very neurotic because I was like constantly chasing down my next job and like you know like uh, just like I don't know living on the edge of you know it was always like oh man this job's ending I don't have anything lined up like I hope this works out you know yeah. like it was it was very scary um, I think in L A there's been a lot more you know the need for people with my skills mm-hmm. it's just like a lot more out there like there are more jobs mm-hmm. but um my hope is that uh because work from home is becoming so destigmatized uh-huh, that, yeah you know people will be able to work from anywhere god i remember like when we started when i started ko like we had a couple boarders who like weren't local and like back then it was just like how can you do this? Like you, you can't have people who aren't like in studio every day, you know? So silly. So I'm really hoping like that, you know, you know, people can get those, uh, you know, we'll be able to get those opportunities like from anywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Nothing changes until we're forced to change. And then it's like, Oh wait, this was achievable the whole time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I also, I wonder if that's also just your, your career's in a different place too. So like, there's probably a lot more opportunities for you in, in New York city. You wouldn't have to chase down opportunities anymore. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't, yeah. I haven't lived and worked there uh, for like sure. over a decade now. So I don't know. Things might, yeah, things might be different. Sure. Well, yeah, LA is, is nice. It's, it is warm and New York sounds like it is very cold. Uh, I'm from Chicago, so I never want to go back. <laughs> like I never want to have, I never want to experience a winter again. If like, as long as I live. No, I hear you. It's, it's brutal. I freeze very easily. But um, I mean, you've had, you've been at least an executive producer on what three different shows at this point? Two for sure, right? Because OKKO okay, and yeah. Steven Universe. Okay. Yeah. What's that been like for you? I mean, that's a broad question. I know I'm stressful is probably the most important thing. I guess also <laughs> like kind of what would be a kind of I guess day to day or week to week I guess kind of um, like the life of a of an of an exe- uh, executive right producer. yeah or like yeah yeah I think um you know the job is basically kind of like I mean to put things into you do development on the shows and you work on them but you know the thing with animated television is that there's tons of different shows uh in production at the same time anywhere mm-hmm. from like just one episode up to like eight or 10 that you're working on, like all at once Mm -hmm. and doing the job basically uh, means that you're sort of like catching. uh, It's like set, you set up a bunch of plates to spin and then you, you catch them and make sure that they're all going good. Like you check in on a story thing here or like you work on a design here and like you basically, you know, they're all in different stages of production. Uh, so yeah. you're kind of just like overseeing all of it and um, sort of doing notes on everything. And yeah, it is stressful, but it's also um, it's also really rewarding. There's just like a lot to track and a lot to go off of and a lot of small fires to put out here and there. Do you uh, are you still involved in like the uh, drawing side of it or is it a lot of just like overseeing and meetings and things? 
Oh no, I I still draw. You still draw a lot. Like on Steven and Ko, we would you know we would sit down, we would draw right into the animatics or or do like new board panels, and I would always be like taking stuff home and like doing extra uh, animation in the shows and doing extra you know sequences. There are a lot of sequences where I was just like, well, this isn't really gonna work unless like i do it so like i would just like do it myself but then also figure basically sort of setting things up so that the next person in line can like work off of what you're doing you know you you guys know animation is like very collaborative Mm -hmm. and you do have to really think about the person who's next in line after like the work that you're doing ideally <laughs> i think i think a lot of people don't and i that's... think there are a lot of yeah i think you should, you should. yeah <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like, I've, I've seen it where people just like do their job and then they don't consider what the next step in the pipeline is going to be and that creates those bottlenecks this is Jean being mad at me because I used to draw up shots and down shots. V used to draw, <laughs> and she was told not to. But then but background only design, like three or four per episode. Only well, three or four. I, you know, I would just say that you know, like for instance, something like that. It's almost like maybe there's a failure there on like a bigger level like of somebody like not understanding the use of those shots and like how to build the system around like giving someone the space to be able to like work with those like i feel like you know part of the job of the executive producer is to create an an atmosphere and an environment where people feel empowered to do those things and like feel safe knowing that like the person who's like in the next step it's not like a just a hand off it's more like a handshake oh, like sure. people have like like for instance on KO we used to just have like the um you know we didn't really call it like a revisions team or the storyboard team they were kind of just like uh they were just you know to borrow a term from uh one of our uh supervisors Jeremy Polgar he always Jeremy. described himself. He always described himself as a motion scientist. Yeah. And like <laughs> I, I saw that crew as just like motion scientists, and one, we once really again made, the science of art. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we really. One of the things we used to do is like we would have like people from that department like just go talk to the boarders and like have the boarders be like, "This is what I want to achieve here like i don't i'm not sure exactly how to do it and it became like a uh conversation you know like it wasn't just like the nameless faceless art being plopped onto your desk like you know people had people had relationships to like the stuff that they were drawing and like Mm -hmm. we really encouraged that because i feel like you know people needed to know like where this is coming from and the um you know, the structure of the production needed to make room for, like, all of the ambitious things that people wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, we're, we're just go- joking around because, like, Loud House actually was very good about it. It was a very... It was a very structured show, and the reason why V would get shit is because they were actually really good at, like, 
you know, we want to reuse a lot. We want to try to right, right, right. Uh, make it easy for the designers and for the board artists. You know, it was like, you don't have to, you don't have to flex this hard, but V cannot help but flex that hard. I didn't actually flex that hard. I was, I was doing a lot of reuse. I thought I was doing pretty good at doing reuse. You were doing, you were doing fine. Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. Like they had like a scope, but I feel yeah. like, you know, I feel like there is like, you know, part of the job is sort of like reacting to those things that people do naturally i feel like i do have a very different philosophy at some times to something like that but you know yeah, yeah it really depends on i feel like it's like you say it's like really a philosophy because like having been on like a bunch of shows here i started to realize like oh wow like yeah showrunners have very different ways of conceiving what like a pipeline is going to be like or yeah. what a show mm -hmm. is going to be like and this yeah. is actually really interesting that you talk about that, Ian, because we do have a question that kind of sure. like goes into that. And I'm going to try to find it, but the question goes something along the lines of like, how do you create like a space where people feel safe to try out things and like to work together? So I'll, I'll be looking through to find it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really feel like, you know, animation is collaborative and I was never personally... I feel like there are, it all depends on like what kind of show you're trying to make and what exactly like you're trying to do, like what your scope is. I think for me personally, one of my, you know, one of the goals that like I stick by like through, through my career is I love working with people. I really, you know, that's, I think that's the thing that like I got in here to do. And the most fun thing for me is to, uh, you know, make something creative with someone else and really get to collaborate with them and to let people have the space to put uh, something from themselves mm -hmm. in the final product. Mm -hmm. uh, that's like really important to me. So like part of, you know, it's kind of like what we were talking about characters and it's like you have these characters and then you cast them. I think um, the people who you work with are the same you know the people and like you think about the things that they're good at and yeah. then you cast them into doing those things you know i would always want to make sure that the borders had uh connections to the material you know mm -hmm. and we spent a lot of time like when we were working on the shows like getting all the borders together in a room and um and like talking about what they like and the things that they enjoy drawing and the kind of characters and stories oh, awesome. that they like. Yeah. And then like really taking those into account and like, you know, it doesn't mean you have to change the show to make it something that everyone would agree with, but more like you can write towards things that are like people's strengths, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of what we did. We found out like, for instance, we found out like one of our borders, uh, one of the borders for OKKO, Dave Allegri, was really good ah, at drawing Dave, food. Yeah. Yeah, yes, he, really, he is. <laughs> he was really good at drawing food. And then we were like, you know what? We had like some character. We had a character who's a chef and we were like, oh, we think Dave could do this episode and it would be really fun. And we put a lot of like parts in the episode that were like beauty shots of like food and stuff uh, like that. Yeah. And we had like a lot of fun drawing it. And, you know, uh, we would just try to find moments for people to like, you know, get to do like their thing. And uh, by the end of the show, I think, you know, a lot of people, um, a lot of people really liked, we had a final episode that is sort of like a 
big sort of like universe spanning flash forward flash sideways to like everything that every single character you've seen for the entire series and like what they're doing and what their futures and pasts are like and all that stuff and like part of the reason we were able to do that is because the char- the um the the people on the staff created those characters and they mm-hmm. liked those characters and like we were just like hey everybody if if you want to draw a scene with your favorite character like let's just do it let's just jam together on this big uh episode and um everybody got to do it and that like love and the actual care shows up on screen like you have people who are like drawing uh characters and stories that like they created and they care about you know mm-hmm. yeah i think okko shows so much love like it really feels like everyone involved was just like having fun <laughs> like it really yeah. comes through we were lucky because um we actually um they greenlit our show like way in advance of airing it we we got going in 2015 and we aired like at the end of 2017 so we had almost two years like completely in the dark mm because they wanted us to build up a lot. A lot of times it's like you'll end, you know, you'll get greenlit and then you'll air at the end of like maybe the next year. Yeah. We got, we were airing at the end of two years later. So so we got to be like in the dark for like a really long time, which was awesome because we just made the show for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Okay. I see. Interesting. And we were just, we were just like, you know, making each other laugh. And Mm -hmm. like, if we could make each other laugh, like it stayed in the show Mm -hmm. and like, the show really, um, uh, we didn't, like, people didn't get to see it for a really long time. And I feel like we got to build our own culture because we were just making, we were doing it for ourselves and we weren't trying to, we weren't thinking a lot about how the um, audience would react to it. Mm-hmm. We weren't thinking about it at all, really. And this is also That's kind of reminiscing of, like, how you were doing comics as a kid, too, uh, also. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it was all about like having our own our own like dimension that we could control. Yeah, <laughs> there's definitely a recurring theme I'm I'm hearing with with you, which is just the like make the thing that you want to make and don't uh, worry about what other people will say. Yeah, man, which has I, benefited I'm, you. I'm I'm so about that. Everybody out there, like, just draw whatever you want to draw. Like, I don't know. Like, just I. I don't know if you don't if you see a show and you're like man i wish that character had longer hair just like sit down and draw it yeah why not like why not like (laughs) man i wish this character's ears were huge just like draw it you know yeah uh i i wish i could draw like i wish the show i wish the simpsons was exactly the same except bart was a dinosaur like just draw. (laughs) yeah like like please there's a whole comic that's just what if akira was simpsons (laughs) exactly yeah yeah honestly like isn't that how the girl who wrote 50 shades of gray did yep. her thing she, twilight, she started yeah. yeah it was like a twilight uh thing yeah. and then and then it's still a- you never know <laughs> yeah i and you know i don't know i feel like you should just make your fan art and fanfic and and everything like i don't know i was talking we were talking about those um like my comics that i was doing as like a kid and like those all started as um like i first drew those as um like a bart simpson 
I was trying to draw like my oh. own Bart Simpson, and I, it it was like a kid. His name was Grisham. He uh, he kind of looked like Bart Simpson, except he was black, and he kind of had like those tall Garfield eyes instead. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, I can draw my own characters, you know? Yeah. And I always just feel like people should just like draw like whatever draw your own characters like take other people's characters rip them off like turn them into its own thing like change a character like if you love like a show but you were just like i wish you know this could happen i wish this character could fly like just draw it i don't know yeah (laughs) for sure i think there's uh kind of been a bad you know, run of people online that start like policing that kind of shit. And I think it's scared a lot of kids off of just like trying things out and posting things. And that's, that's unfortunate because it's like, it should be an open forum. Like you should be allowed to just post whatever the hell you want. And uh, yeah, I think, I think it is, I think it is kind of sad, but I'm hoping that, you know, there are kids who maybe aren't seeking that like huge wide audience. Maybe just have like, they're a small group of friends on their discord and they're just like drawing, you know, whatever for them. I think the kids that grow up with the internet have such a completely different, they're like wired so differently. And, uh, and it's, totally. inter- it's interesting to see like the zoomers and, and younger and how they're treating a lot of this stuff because it feels like a lot of them, they're seeking an audience right from the start, which is, I, I understand it like everyone I did, but I think it was when we were coming up like it, it, we couldn't help it be in these closed off communities because there's just how this, the Internet was. And so it was easier to just like share stuff and be exposed only to the people who you kind of wanted to. But you're right. I think Discord is changing. I think, you know, there's definitely um, there's kind of a shift happening where people are going back into these closed off communities. And that's great. Yeah. Because like yeah. we tried this open thing and it's been a disaster. <laughs> Where, like, I feel like people need people need space to just you know to just like experiment yeah. with themselves mm-hmm. and yeah. like to feel safe and to experiment. Yeah, yeah. I think I think people should get to have that. Like I don't know. I I feel like you know you're growing. You're growing up. You're changing what you what you a hundred percent believe in one day you might not believe in the next day like yeah you know like i remember like being a kid and i'd be all about like a certain like drawing or like an art style Mm -hmm, or something and i would draw everything like that and then like one week later be like i hate this now now i'm gonna draw (laughs) like how did like i remember i was like i i took that old character and like i was like i'm gonna make him like an anime guy and i was (laughs) like now i'm just drawing this forever but then I was like, no, nah, you know what? Maybe I should like do something a little different than I like did like a Marvel Comics thing, like you know. Yeah. And I feel like you need that space to just like do um, trial and error, you know, Definitely. with everything that you're doing. That's so true. I also feel like I don't know. Recently, I started just like being able like to have like a, a closer group of friends where we can just like make drawings to like do drawings to show each other and like make ourselves laugh and this feels like a lot more rewarding to some extent than just like posting something into the ether of the internet and then like because then you know like yeah maybe you you'll like get likes or something but you don't have like that genuine reaction from like a person you know (laughs) yeah yeah totally (laughs) yeah that's it's not everything is should be meant for uh everyone you know it's 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 okay to just run things by some friends that understand what you're going for. 
Yeah, I don't know. People are figuring things out, and, you know, they're not going to have everything perfect the first time. And, you know, I think, you know, there is a lot of pressure nowadays, like, to get everything perfect. And, like, you know, if you accidentally do something wrong, like, you could just never, ever recover, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. And I feel like it, it would be nice if we just let, you know, people just, like, grow and do what they got to do you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. yeah growth is important when you're especially when you're young and you're just like figuring things out and like you got to be able to try something and 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 fuck up and be like well didn't like that and then just yeah like, yeah transition to something else uh we had a ton of good questions oh yeah let's let's hit some of these questions let's get yeah. into it i like this one kind of uh, goes ties in with what we're, ta- what we're talking about from l Dragon Odeosku 1. I think I got it right. What do you recommend to do first when creating characters or worlds? Oh, I don't know. I think it I think it kind of comes down to uh what you want to do. I always felt like uh I like to sort of uh I don't know. I some people like to start with the character and build the world out from there. Mm-hmm. I think but then uh some people really like to think about the world and then build into the characters. So I feel like some sort of um, duo, uh, some sort of middle of the road kind of thing from that is good. Like you kind of, you know, come up with your characters and then you build a little bit of the world at that same time. And then you sort of uh, build, you know, a little more of the world and then you go back to the characters, if that makes sense. I think that's a good point. I I have a hard time, and I know a lot of people do with it too, where it's like the world part is the fun part. And so you end up creating all like this, this, uh, this world and this lore and this backstory. And then like, you're like, wait, shit, I need compelling characters too. And then it's like, then you got to dig deep into yourself and dig that out. And I've, I've talked to younger artists that kind of forget to include that. Like they'll have this pitch and it's all like just world building stuff. And I'm like, well, you, who's the main character like what's the thing and they're like oh oh shit yeah okay. i i do think you do really you know because all that like lore stuff you know it's mm-hmm. it's cool it's fun or whatever but no one no one's gonna care you know unless you have characters right. that are like right you know it's an like, iceberg like yeah you yeah. wanna that's the stuff that's under the water yeah that's a good answer. From a friend of the show, at Gia Ligamari, did you have a character you used to draw a lot as a kid? Do you still draw them? Oh, I mean, the, yeah, there were characters I created that I used to draw uh, quite a bit. I, I told you about one, mm-hmm. Grisham. I used to draw a lot of, like, I had one of those, um, like, draw 50 famous cartoon characters kind of books. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used to draw uh, Popeye out of that, like, a lot. I drew oh, I drew a lot of Sonic drawings. Like all the like Sonic characters were like really big mainstays in all of my sketchbooks. This is actually ties into it a little bit. From at Sean ninety nine oh eighty two, what's your favorite character in media? My favorite character in media. Um, I don't have one. Okay. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm not good at picking. I'm really not good at picking favorites. You might uh, have had so, an answer, but you know that I don't yeah. even think I could pick one. But some yeah, people they, they got it ready. I don't I don't have favorites. I I actually like don't pick favorites in general. Like you know like like when people go like, what's your favorite movie or what's your favorite this? I just I don't think that way because <laughs> uh, it's hard to um, 
it's hard to compare uh some things yeah you know like i i like some things on some merits and i like other things on other merits you know like That's so uh, true. for sure yeah, i'm not i'm not i'm not a, a lister or a favorite picker unfortunately i dig it from at furbat mikey 101 it's kind of a follow-up question to a different one, but do creators form their own teams, I assume, when the show's greenlit? And what all should be, uh, should we know about creating a show and how production works, etc.? And I know that, like, Cartoon Network is a little more, um, from what I've heard, they kind of let you loose with, like, forming a team, which is a little different than, I think, some of the other networks. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I totally uh, formed my own teams. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I don't know, we would, um, what's it called? Like, uh, do tests and find people. Yeah, we definitely formed our own teams. From a guy who draws, when you first came into show running, producing, directing, etc., what were the most important lessons you learned from those experiences that you had no clue or expectation of going in? Hmm, that is, that is a good question. What did I learn from actually doing it? Oh, uh, I think, I think here's a big one that I think a lot of people don't think of. You really do need to be, you have to be mindful of people's time. Mm -hmm. You have to be aware of like how much time it takes to do something. And I think that's one thing that maybe isn't a, that like you don't find out until you start uh, doing it as a job mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, like you have to be, you have to be aware of like how much time it takes to do something. I mean, that's a part of building the pipeline too, right? Is like you want to yeah. consider everyone's time. You got to consider everyone's time. And also, you know, you really wish that you could just like talk to everyone and take as much time as you needed on everything, but you just can't. Yeah. And it's important to uh, recognize, you know, even if you want everything to... Um, you know, if you want to spend time uh, with everybody, you can't. And you have to make sure that you know how much you know how much uh, someone can get done in a certain amount of time. And, you know, be aware of that. And also, like, not take other people's time for granted. Sure. Yeah. That's, yeah, very that's important. a really yeah. good way to put it. Yeah. I think that a healthy crew has the time has enough time to uh, work on the tasks they're given, but have the freedom to like put a little more in. Uh, so they're not always working against the clock. And uh, maybe you have something to say about that as a showrunner. Cause I've never, I've never been there, but like I've been a part of crews and the best stuff comes from when the schedule, it gives people the time to like, not feel like they're up against the clock all the time. Yeah. And you know, I think you just, the other thing too is, I don't know. Schedules are just like, they're like made up, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And like, you know, you have to, you have to accept that like, uh, it's not real. You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody needs time to do stuff and you have to make sure that they have the time uh, to do it. You really have to be considerate of other people. Definitely. Yeah. We have another question from at Devon1224. Uh, any tips for not getting discouraged about breaking into the industry? I've been trying for about a year and I'm more determined than ever, but tips would still be great. What are some cool non-animation influences on your work? That's a great question. Both questions are great. So tips, what was the first one? Tips about? 
Uh, just how, how to not get discouraged about breaking into the industry, because it can get brutal. Oh, yeah. Just make your goal not to break into the industry. Make your mm. goal something else. Interesting. Make your goal something like, I want to draw a thousand pages of comics, or I want to work with other creative people, or I want to, you know, I want to... I want to constantly write new stories or I want to create new characters or I want to learn how to draw a mountain or like something like that. Yeah. Don't make your goal. I want to break into the industry. That's a really bad goal because it, um, it depends on someone else. Right. It depends on, and this is kind of, this is kind of going back to like the idea that drawing whatever you want is like a universe, uh, a dimension where you can control everything. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't make your goal something that depends on somebody else's, like, gatekeeping you into somewhere. Like, for instance, like, I don't know, like, I had a TV show, but I only had a TV show because what I pitched was compatible with the corporate priorities at the time when I made it, you know? So they were like, this lines up uh, and we'll make the show. They didn't make it because I was the, I mean, I was hardworking and I, I tried really hard on it, but I don't think that alone was the reason why they greenlit the show. They greenlit it because it fit with their corporate strategy. And I don't think it's smart to make a goal that is dependent on like a, a giant company's corporate strategy that you don't even know. Yeah. You know, like that you just got to do your own thing and do it well. And, like, if the companies want to come along and give you the chance to pitch something, and even better yet, if they actually make it because they see value in it, it doesn't mean they see value that's completely based on artistic merit at all. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you should stop trying to get a job in the industry. You know, I called every studio I could looking for an opportunity. But when it was time for me to pitch my idea... I only got as far as I did because the higher-ups were able to look at my body of independent work. I had been doing my own thing for so many years that I could point at, you know, tons of my own cartoons and comics and say, I have the ability to make a project. So you just do what you want to do. Make your goal something else. Do you feel like when you pitch to Cartoon Network, like what, how did you frame your goal when you were working on the pitch packet? Well, like, my goal has never been to have a show. My goal was always to, like, draw cartoons and work with cool people to make cartoons. Right. Um, And I was just doing that. Oh, okay. Okay. So you were already pretty much, like, completing your goal as you were doing it because you were just working with cool people. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I was just, like, doing that stuff. And, like, (laughs) then they were, like hey, do you want to pitch something? And I was just like, yeah, sure. And like, I just did more of the stuff I wanted to do, which was like, oh, I want to make sure that's like this, you know, because it'd be cool. But I like the end position was never getting the job. The end position was like making the stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah, And I think, you know, that's going to be my goal forever is to just make cool stuff with cool people. That's a great goal. Because then I've seen it happen to a lot of people like, you could have the most brilliant idea and it's so good and it's so perfect, but because like, I don't know, some executive somewhere is like, uh, 
we can't green light shows with cats <laughs> you know <laughs> and like they won't green light that show that's all it, it doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that person isn't like in- immensely talented and that they don't have an amazing idea you know yeah. it just means that someone somewhere like gatekeep them like if you shouldn't make your goal be based on oh i hope that there's an executive somewhere that wants to pick up a show with a cat main character you know mm. like that's that's not it, it it's just not a sustainable goal because yeah. once you get turned down you'll be like now what do i do also <laughs> uh so much of success is about good timing and luck i was very lucky to be in the right place at the right time but you can only take advantage of that if you keep yourself sharp by continually doing creative things you know even things outside of career ambitions just because you want to do them i think it's a common misconception that people have is that like the animation industry is like merit-based or yeah it's like how good of an idea is this and it really really isn't and like you know I, I just got uh, turned down. Planet Panic got turned down by Nickelodeon, and everyone's like, great, like, you know, now you can take it elsewhere. And it's just like, I would love to. I guess we'll see. Like, it really just depends. It depends on if yeah. if, if a studio, yeah, like you said, if it aligns with their corporate interests. And, like, yeah. I, I have to keep reminding myself of that, <laughs> that it's, like, it's not about the idea or me. It's just this, like, vague ethereal thing that like even a lot of the execs don't quite understand the the of course. targets always shifting and so it's like really really fucking hard yeah and and and, and you know and congrats on planet panic by the way thank you I man think that's a that's that's a it's a thing you know to feel good about you know it's hard though. to get the rights back that's for damn sure so yeah yeah but like yeah it doesn't mean that you didn't create a cool piece of art with cool people and like really yeah, make like yeah. a brilliant thing, you know. Uh, but that's because, you know, at the end of the day, your goal isn't just to get the show made, but it's to like make the thing to, and yeah, do the stuff. And for like, people to see it. Yeah, for people to see it and like in- and to like enjoy the craft of making it too. Right. You know? yeah. Like like that's important. That's important also. Yeah, I think people get yeah they get they get the wrong impression about it, and uh, when they go into pitch stuff, they're pitching a show when they should be pitching an idea, and that's kind of hard to understand, I think, until you get deeper into it. But it's like it's really it's it's too much to expect people to want to greenlight a show right away. You're you're just trying to like grow this like idea and these relationships and just hope for the best in that way. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's kind of what I've learned from it, from the process. And they also asked, what are your uh, some cool non-animation influences on your work? I know we'd love hmm. to hear that, too. Cool non-animation. I don't know. I just, um, I don't know. Like, what, like, you know, music, movies, like, what stuff gets you excited? What stuff, like, can you think that sparked something in you at some point? I just try to, like, um, I don't know, just uh, be interested in stuff that I'm interested in, like, I love reading about like, uh, you know, like, like just reading the news or just like finding out about stuff or going down a rabbit hole and some new thing that you wanted to learn about. Uh, I love video games uh, and like reading about the creation of that. And also just like, I don't know, just uh, I really try to be like present and be like excited in like the world that's like around me and like my 
really uh, be in touch with, you know, how I feel about myself and my world, but also about, you know, my history and, you know, events in my life. Um, I feel like I get most inspired by that, honestly. Sure. That's good stuff. Yeah, I was saying, like, uh, I was going to say, like, um, from this whole interview, I feel like you're, you've always kind of been really in tune with the things that you like and your surroundings and that, like, you, it's probably, I don't know, do you feel like uh, you also have been able, thanks to, like, your curiosity, feed all of that into stories that you're writing? Oh, yeah, totally. I would always just try to make a story about, like, whatever I'm interested in. In fact, OKKO, the reason why it came about was um, I, they asked me to pitch something, and I didn't really have any ideas, and I just decided to, um, after, like, oh, I created another idea, and I was like, I don't really know if this works, and I was like, I need an idea that really fits together. And I just sort of, like, thought about, you know, like, I was, when I was, like, a teen, teen, I worked at a supermarket, and I was working there so I could afford buying video games and anime. And I was just <laughs> like, what if I just kind of took that whole thing and smooshed it together? So it was, like, working at a store, like, video games and anime and cartoons and put them all into, like, one package, you know? And mm -hmm. that was, like, you know, it's something really personal. Definitely. Yeah, mm -hmm. it feels like it. And uh, we'd love to hear how you deal with creative block and kind of what it looks like for you. Uh, I kind of just, I try to not work at all. That's good. When That's I good. feel that block. Mm -hmm. And I just, I've really, um, I've really been trying to be in touch with that more as time goes by of like, if I'm not feeling it, just letting myself have the space to sort of just like wander away and think about something else for a little bit before like forcing myself into doing something. That's kind of been something I've been really into lately. Yeah. That's great advice. I think yeah, just, just I, like walking away from something too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's actually really hard. Like, you know, I have a real, I have real trouble uh, just sitting down and drawing and writing unless I have like, sort of like a specific like thing I'm excited about to draw or write. So if I'm not feeling that, I just really have a hard time doing it. Mm -hmm. And I, I just had to give myself, I had to let myself be like, not make myself feel bad about that basically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, like there's the guilt when like you haven't drawn uh, something you haven't done a good drawing in a while yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you feel so bad. And then you sit down and you try to do it and like, you just can't, you know? Yeah. And I just have sort of like, I've been really trying to let myself like have those moments and not drag myself through the mud because of it, you know, just like, forgive myself for not having like the perfect drawing in my sure. brain and mm. in my hands, you know, in that moment. And just like allow myself to be like, Hey, you know, today I just don't have it. And just like get up, walk around, go outside, think about something else for a little bit, you know, until like something sparks and you're like, Oh my gosh, I got it. And then you run back and start. Yeah. Yeah. Thing, <laughs> Man, know? 
going outside is underrated, <laughs> especially yeah. after the last year. It's like, mm, what a what a delicious cleanse. Just going outside is. We're what getting a there really soon. Really soon. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I'm vaxxed. I've been starting to venture out. Yeah, same. I'm. I'm just like. I'm just beginning. It's good. It's nice. it's very liberating, and it feels so nice to just be able to like go to a place and not be terrified. Nice. Yeah. Not be walking with anxiety. Kind of. Now that you're all vaxxed, Speaking of that, <laughs> what are your goals for sort of the near future? Hmm. My goals. What you can talk about, I guess. <laughs> Actually, you know what? It's funny because uh, we, we've been talking about goals, and my goal has not changed. I Same still goal. just want to make like cool cartoons. Hell yeah! Work with cool people Aww. and make and make like the good stuff and like nice. enjoy and like enjoy the craft of like creating something mm-hmm. and enjoy the craft of like collaborating with another person to make something and you know just just I don't know that that hasn't changed. I'm still like down for that. That's been like the thing I've been trying to do this whole time. I love that. That's great. That's so great. Yeah. That's a very healthy outlook. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to plug or anything else you want to uh, mention while you're on here? Ha! Uh, I have nothing to plug, but you can follow me on Twitter at, at IanJQ. I don't really tweet that much, though. Sorry. That's- <laughs> I, wish I, <laughs> I wish I had something to plug, but I literally have nothing. You can, you can watch OKKO on HBO Max. Uh, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't help me but uh you can watch it there if you want <laughs> yeah you're not getting uh you're not getting 10 cents every time a stream goes through nope it's not spotify <laughs> no wouldn't that be nice can you imagine can you imagine oh if, gosh if uh, creators yeah. were to get 10 percent like or 10 cents even on every like watch through <laughs> that what would a, be amazing what a different world we would all, we would all be millionaires <laughs> well awesome thanks so much for coming on the show yeah thanks for having me this is a lot of fun Good. We loved it. You, you, your story's amazing. I honestly, I would have loved to go through more, but you've done so much that yeah. it's, <laughs> it's hard to cover all of it. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe once you guys cycle through everybody, yeah, <laughs> yeah come part, back around. We can do a part two. We would, I would oh love my that. gosh. That would be so great. There's like a couple yeah. of guests already where I'm like, oh, I want you to come back on those yeah. shows. Yeah. 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 We need more of your wisdom. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. It's really good to hear from people that have been, that have done so much and so many different fields. We didn't even touch in your voice acting. We didn't touch it. Yeah. Well, anyway, for, <laughs> we'll save that for next time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll save it. We'll save it. Uh, that's the end of this creative block. Thanks to Ian for being our guest and sharing his story. Thanks for having me. And thanks to our listeners. Follow us on Twitter. It's at Creative Block, Creative Without the Vowels, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask for guests. Huge thanks to my sister Clemens for editing the podcast. Please subscribe to the channel if you love our content. I've been your host, Gene. And that was V. Keep being creative, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.